are on this awesome uh, series. You've been in it. We've heard so many things about Jesus, right? All the different pieces about him and the way of Jesus and how he's invited us to come into this life and to live life like him, right? So he talked about how he came to seek and save the lost. Obviously the Great Commission is there. It's for us to continue to speak his, his love to others. About We talked about his humility and his generosity and how Jesus was and inviting us kind of into that V-shaped life where it's others focused and not just on ourselves. Um, we talked about how Pastor Laura did a great job last week talking about how he came to serve. And obviously that's a beautiful example that we get to be here and just be Jesus' hands and feet is how I look at it here on earth to the people around us and the world around us. Well, let me say A.W. Tozer once said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So just think about that for a second. What you think about God out of that starts to shape how you think about yourself, how you think about other people and the world around you. It starts with what you think about God. So what do you think of? What's the first thing that comes into your mind when you think about God? Do you maybe think that he's distant, that maybe he's this creator that kind of made the whole world in creation and just sits indifferent to it while it kind of, you know, heads to hell in a handbasket type of thing. You know, he just doesn't care anymore. Do you see him as angry, just waiting for you to mess up so he can punish you? Do you see him as demanding? Do you think maybe God's only concerned with us obeying like a list of do's and don'ts about how we're supposed to do everything? Well, I can tell you, if you're like me, maybe you grew up this way, not that it was said this way, but I think it's in my childlike mind, this is how I accepted it, that I felt like I had to be the good girl and I had to do all the right things and only then would God accept me. It's called striving for our own salvation. But that, again, that's how I did it anyway. I was in church, but I still had those thoughts. Maybe you were like that. Maybe you kind of grew up in, in a, maybe a tradition like that where it gets more about behavior than it does your heart and where your heart is with God. Maybe you might say, well, no, no, I know that God loves me, but maybe deep down, you wonder if maybe he's disappointed in you. Or maybe you love to tell other people how much God loves them, but you might think God might just harbor some mild resentment against me because I've messed up one too many times. Well, Jesus came to represent God to humanity. When you look at what was going on before Jesus came on earth, he came and he, um, when humanity had really lost sight of God in that time, they were under the law and they knew that they could never measure up to it, but they were trying really hard, right? The Sadducees and the Pharisees of the day, the religious elite had all these rules that everybody had to follow, you know? But I wonder, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus came though in that time to represent God, to be basically God in the flesh here in front of man as a, as a human. In John 4, 12, 45, Jesus said, and whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. So Jesus is saying, when you see me, you're seeing the father. But I wanna tell you, there's only one place in scripture, and this is what we're gonna to get to talk about today. There's only one time in scripture that was actually, I read was pointed out by Charles Spurgeon, where Jesus describes his own heart. The only place where he talks about his own heart and how his own heart is. And when I talk about the heart, please understand this is not just emotions or like a love story that way, but it's the heart really in biblical terms is the very core of who we are. It's what's inside you. It's kind of what is that motivating factor of your life? What, is, what defines you and determines how you walk out life? So the heart is what directs us in this as well. So we're gonna look at Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. 
And it's a scripture you've maybe heard before, but we're gonna read through this. Come to me, all who are labor and a heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. There it is. He's gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And how many times, we've heard this scripture before. If you've been around church at all, you've heard it. But we're gonna break this down a little bit because I really loved getting to learn when I went through and was looking at this. You know, in the New Testament, when they were talking about the yoke, it's the yoke that we think about. When you think about, you've heard this before, two oxen together and they put the yoke on them. And so now they're yoked together. They can't separate, they're connected and they're gonna go plow a field. So that is the yoke that they're referring to. But when they're saying the yoke of Jesus, what he was talking about at the time was the Sadducees and the Pharisees, the rabbis of the day, they would, you would be yoked to a rabbi because you would choose to obey that rabbi's teachings. So that rabbi had an interpretation of scripture. And so when you yoked yourself to them, it meant I was gonna follow everything that that rabbi told me to do. But Jesus is giving us another way. He's saying, come to me, open yourself up to me, because guess what? Take your yoke on me because I'm gonna give you rest. The rabbis of that day were actually making people just burdened and they couldn't even hold up under all the rules and the laws that they were adding on to the people of the day. So they wanted to do the right thing before God, but they're following this rabbi and what they told them to do and to live. So I love this because Jesus obviously was coming in a whole different way to us in this time. So he's saying, yoke yourself to me, learn from me. So he's saying, take my teachings upon you, listen to what I'm saying, do what I do, watch what I do, right? That's what he's saying. So when he says, because I'm gentle and lowly. So here is where we hear Jesus tell about his heart. It's the very core of who he is, that we can come to him. Cause he's saying, come to me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. But let's break this down a little bit more. When we look at the word gentle, what do we think of when we think of the word gentle, right? We think of maybe tender or soft or quiet. But what it, when in fact gentleness actually means strength under control. Kind of like so you're demonstrating power, but you're not doing it with harshness or you're not doing it to cause pain. This is the way of Jesus. I'll give you an example when I talk about gentle in this way. So when you think of like a new father for the very first time, I think of maybe Gareth, how he was when we had our son Aiden. And you know, they're, you're giving him the newborn baby to that father for the first time. And he's like, not sure how to hold them. I wanna hold up their head. I wanna do it right. Cause he's being so tender and careful to take care of the baby. But it's kind of like a strength under control, right? It's reserved strength. He could cause harm or do something, but his heart is only tenderness and gentleness, gentleness to the baby to take care of him. So when we come to Jesus, he's not harsh or reactionary to us. Maybe that's what you thought that it would be if you did. And that's why you might stay distant. Maybe you've even known him and you, you accepted him into your life years ago, but you think, I just don't think I'm ever going to measure up. So I kind of hold back in that way. But when we come to him, his posture, the posture most natural to who Jesus is, isn't one of like a pointed finger, like you've done wrong, you've screwed up again. The posture most natural to Jesus is that of open arms. This is his heart towards us. This is him telling us his very heart towards us. And let's take a look at the word lowly. That's the other word that we use here. Now, lowly is generally kind of translated humble, 
but it's not necessarily in this case, the way that we would think of humility as a virtue, you know, one of the fruits of the spirit that we should have. But in this sense, it's actually talking about almost someone of like a sense of destitution or being put low by life circumstances. I'm sure we've all felt like that now and then, right? So when Jesus is saying that his heart is gentle and the lowly part of it, what he's saying is that he's approachable and he is accessible. Think about how he came to the world, right? How we would think the Jews of the day were expecting him to come with a sword in his hand, right? And just kill the Romans off and we're done and we're not gonna be under Roman control anymore. But he came as a baby in a manger born in literally a dirty stable, you know, when we look at how he came. Now, let me ask you, is this different than the picture that maybe you've had of God? Do we think of Jesus as gentle and lowly? Or do we still think, mm, I'm gonna mess up. I don't know if I can come to him. I don't know if it's worth it. Well, let's take a look a little bit more about Jesus' heart and let's watch his heart in action and how he was. We have the gospels as this beautiful, um, what we get to read about how he was with people, how he interacted with people on a daily basis. And the first thing we find in his compassion is that Jesus doesn't run from suffering. His compassion moves him towards it. Uh, in Matthew 9, 35 and 36, it says, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. His heart, his heart just broke for them. His compassion brought them towards, towards them to be with them and to um, heal them. In Matthew 14, 14, it says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. His very heart was to go towards the suffering. As a beautiful example of this, is Father Damien. Maybe you've heard of Father Damien. He was a Catholic priest who lived in Hawaii in the late 1800s. And there was a group of lepers, a whole colony that they basically decided that it was so contagious that they needed to quarantine them on this remote island in Hawaii. And they had hardly anything there, basically basic shacks to live in, basically put there till they died. That was all their life was. That's all they could look forward to. But Father Damien heard about these, these men and women here that were put on this island, and he was the first one to volunteer to go. He said, I want to go. I want to be with them. They need Jesus as well. So he went, and knowing that he was putting himself in harm's way, and, and the, he could contract leprosy as well. So he went, and he stayed there for 16 years, actually, to serve them. And when he served the people, he wasn't just preaching them about Jesus. He was healing their wounds and bandaging them. He was comforting them. He was doing the funerals when it was time to bury somebody because they had died. He gave them hope and he ran towards that suffering. And even when he had a chance to leave the island, he didn't leave. He said, this is where I meant to stay. So they came to love him so much and he did so much for the people, the lepers of that colony of that time. But he did eventually contract leprosy. And 16 years later, at the age of 49, he died of leprosy. But I just, his, his vision and, the, and to give up everything, knowing that he came to live in this place and to serve these people is a beautiful example of someone that ran to the suffering in that time. What do we do when we see suffering? I gotta admit, sometimes it's easy to look away. It's kind of easy to avoid it. 
if you think about it, for us as Americans, we don't like pain. We do everything we can to take pain pills and we don't wanna deal with that, right? We wanna not talk about it or take pills to not, not feel the pain. But this is what Jesus came to do. He went towards the pain. His compassion took him towards people that way. The next thing that Jesus did was he listened and he drew near. He took time to do this with people. He listens and draws near. In Matthew 8, two to three, it says, suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. So here's a leper who was unclean of that day that shouldn't even be coming to talk with him or get near Jesus. And when he says, if you are willing, really that part is saying, if you wish it or if you desire it. And then Jesus answered, I am willing. This is my wish and my desire is to heal. This is his very heart is to heal. In Matthew 20, 30 to 34, we have two blind men here. It says, and behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And the crowd, of course, rebuked them, telling them to be silent, but they cried out all the more. How many times is it easy to kind of push people to the side and think, nope, you don't need to talk to Jesus. You're not important enough. But here Jesus said, the crowd rebuked them, right? They cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called and said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. We often hear these stories about Jesus healing people. We've heard them many times before. But what I love is that in the moment he stopped, he talked to them. He spoke to their humanity. He gave them dignity. And his heart was to heal them. His heart was to pour out forgiveness. I love the story of the woman with the issue of blood. She suffered for 12 years. And in Mark 5, we read about this. Um, She was thinking to herself, if I could just touch the hem of Jesus' garment, if I could just get near him and touch it, then I would be healed, right? And so she does. She manages with all the crowds around him to get near him and to touch his garment. And Jesus feels that power go out. And, you know, there's a lot of people touching him and there's rustling around going on as he's moving through the streets. But Jesus stopped in that moment. He wanted to take time with her to see her and look at her. And he wanted to know where, who had been healed, what power had gone out from him. In Mark 5, we pick it up in verse 32. It says, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, she told him the whole truth. She was probably trembling with fear because she was also unclean. Having the issue of blood made her unclean in those days. Jesus should never have touched her. And so by touching him, she was doing the unthinkable at the time. She came with fear, but she said, I know I've been healed. And she wanted to tell him the truth. And Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. He didn't just stop. He called her daughter and he spoke peace over her in that moment. I can't imagine the life that she led after that, after suffering for so long for 12 years with that issue of blood, how, what peace she walked in and how she probably shared it with a lot of other people as well. 
I really love the approachability of Jesus. Even these people that were considered outcast of the day would have come to him and felt like they could come to him and ask for healing. You know, there's a, a really uh, neat story I have about June, our receptionist here at the church. I shared this with the women at the women's night a few weeks back. And June is one of those people that can talk to anybody about Jesus. She will pray with anybody. She will just start any conversation with them because her heart is so to talk to people about Jesus. And she actually, uh, one, a few weeks ago or a couple months ago, I guess it was, um, she was a prayer partner up here at the front after the service. And she came and she had her lanyard on. Well, she had forgotten that she was wearing her lanyard and she left church that day and she went to a store. And so when she got to the store, she actually had a woman, this is how approachable June is. A woman comes up to her and says, do you, do you pray with people? And June was kind of, I think, wondering a bit and looked down and realized she still had the lanyard on that I think says, how can I pray with you? And I just love this story because I think how approachable is she that somebody would come up and ask that. And she says, she looks down and she's like, yes, yes, I do pray with people. And she got to pray with that woman right there in the store um, with her and just minister to her needs and what she had. And I thought, what need that woman must have had to even see somebody with that on and say, I'm gonna go to them and ask if she would pray for me. Well, June does this all the time. She'll talk to the, the guy sitting next to her, you know, on the plane, on the plane trip. In fact, if you sit next to her on a plane trip, just know you're not gonna have quietness. June will be talking with you and encouraging you in the Lord, which I think is awesome. So if anybody needs to be interrupted, that's the way to do it. You know, she does this so much um, at her other job she has. She has people that she prays with so many times and she just encourages them and speaks to them about Jesus, that she will then have other people come to her at work and say, hey, June, I heard you prayed with so-and-so. Would you be willing to pray with me? I mean, who comes up to people and asks them to pray for them? June. June does. She is awesome that way. Now, I realize in saying that story, June is one in a million, I think. And I wish we could all be that way. You think about what the world would be like if we were, but I think we might not all be like June, but I do think that there is one or two people that God might put in all of our paths that we could speak to. Someone that we could just see that they're going through something and there's such need and they're hurting. Can I pray with you right now about that? Or just encouraging them, whatever it might be, that there are people out there that we can. The Holy Spirit will guide us, I promise. If you ask him, he will put people in your path that he's asking you to be accessible to and to really make ourselves accessible, which really is a piece, right, of not it always being about us, but being aware that anytime I go out, God, I have no idea who you're gonna put in my path today. It might be, you know, the person that's your favorite server at a restaurant, just it doesn't matter who it is. It's just somebody that God puts there, but we wanna be approachable that way. Jesus also gave his time to people who weren't like him. Ooh, this one's hard. When people aren't like us, when people look different than we do, this is a hard one, very convicting. I wanna go through a few groups of people that Jesus ministered to. And if we know that he's our perfect example, then I have to sometimes get out of my own awkwardness about it and people that might not be like me to minister to them. You know, Jesus, one of the groups he ministered to, and I'm really glad for this because I think it opened up a lot in, in life and society, is women. If you know, the men of that day, Jewish men, were not supposed to talk directly to a woman. But Jesus didn't just talk to even the women, the high women of the day, or the, maybe the wives of the Pharisees or Sadducees. Jesus talked to women that were caught in adultery. He talked to women that were prostitutes. He came and ministered to the women that were demon-possessed, that he, that he restored. 
and to life. And what he did, I love the story of Mary Magdalene. He came to her, she was possessed by I think seven demons and he came and he ministered, he healed her. The demons left, right? One word from Jesus. And she actually then was the first person that he appeared to when he, after his resurrection. I think that's really beautiful. She has a beautiful place in the story of Jesus and in his, what he did and what he did of that day. The other group is the poor. So the poor were not really paid much attention to. The most important people were the Hyatt people or the wealthy or the politicians of the day. They would get the best place of everything, but that's not what Jesus did. He spent time with them. He loved them. He spent time with those crowds. You think out in the desert and you think about the fish and the, the, the um, bread multiplying because they had to. The people didn't even have food, right? He's there to minister. Jesus repeats a line from Uh, Isaiah, where he says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Another group that Jesus ministered to were the unclean. We kind of talked about that a little bit earlier. You know, the lepers of the day, the people that you were not supposed to even touch or you then became unclean. The woman with the issue of blood is the beautiful example of that, getting to touch her and then stopping and taking time. Another group that Jesus ministered to were the oppressors. We don't often think about this, but the Roman oppressors, right? The Jewish people were suffering under Roman oppression, right? They had all these rules put on them. They had no really rights, but they had a lot of things they had to obey in the Roman, with the Romans over them. But there was a Roman centurion, if you remember the story, he came to Jesus and he asked him to heal his sick servant. And he said, Jesus, you don't even have to go to my servant. If you just say the word, then I know my servant will be healed. And Jesus, of course, saw that and healed him. It didn't matter that he was a Roman. He healed him. And he said about about this evil oppressor, this Roman centurion, Jesus said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Jesus came to open up everything to the Gentiles as well, right? It wasn't just about the Jewish people. And one of the other groups that Jesus ministered to were kind of the racial enemies, the groups like the Samaritans, right? Samaritans and Jews hated each other, but Jesus was not letting that hold him back. He used the Samaritan actually in the parable of the good Samaritan, which ultimately represents Jesus. But I love that he used literally the enemy of the group he was speaking to and made him the hero of the story. He also ministered to the Samaritan woman at the well, which is just a beautiful story coming to her, speaking about telling her about her life and a whole village, Samaritan village, got to hear about Jesus because of what he told the woman at that well. You know, Jesus said in Luke 7, 34, the son of man has come eating and drinking. That's what he came to do. This is how he spent time with people, eating and drinking with them. And he says, and you say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. How misunderstood he was that they would have thought he was a drunkard and a glutton simply because he didn't didn't go to the people he should have gone to. He spent time with the poor. He spent time with the sinners, the, the dreaded tax collectors of the day that were hated so much. Jesus was often misunderstood by making himself but he was making himself accessible to those that otherwise wouldn't have a way of encountering Jesus. Those people would have been shunned. They would have been set aside, right? They wouldn't have heard a way to Jesus other than if he had come the way he did. Now, Jesus gave dignity to these groups of people, the people that sometimes were considered outcasts or marginalized in society, but he was gentle and accessible with them. What would it look like today for us if we were that way? What would it look like if we went to those people that didn't look like us? Maybe somebody from a different culture, someone that speaks a different language. 
It's always hard, right? It's awkward. I remember a conversation I had once um, some years ago in a church lobby and I was trying to talk to a woman. She didn't speak English, but her daughter did. And I think that woman probably has, no one probably ever would come up to her because they'd hear a different language and just kind of avoid it. But I got to talk with her and see, ask about her family through her little girl that did speak English. And it's, it was awkward. We have moments like that. Like, let's be real. It just is. We don't always know how to connect. But I tell you, there's something so special when Jesus puts them on our heart. And we can then speak out and we can love somebody or be approachable to someone that doesn't look like us. What about someone that is struggling with their sexuality? and just need someone to love them and encourage them and speak to them and be approachable. Just be somebody, not be like, mm, I don't know, but really love with our hearts. What about someone that has different political views? Obviously that, that one has come a lot lately. And I think it doesn't matter who we are. I think we're just, these are people that need to hear about Jesus. These are people that we need to be accessible and approachable to. Jesus didn't agree with everybody that, that he went and ministered to, but he was just there pouring himself out, being accessible and gentle with them. The main picture we see in the gospels is Jesus moving towards people, is Jesus touching people, embracing people, loving people, and forgiving people. That none of them that deserved it, just like us, but that's what he did. If this is Jesus' heart towards the world around us, towards the world that he came, I think back 2000 years ago, but even put him here, what would it be like if he was here? What people would he be ministering to? People that we sometimes wanna forget are there? Maybe the homeless person down the street? If Jesus' heart is towards us, why shouldn't we come to him? If he's asking us to come to him, we can run to him because his very heart is, is open, it's gentle and lowly. Here's the thing, he's alive and well in heaven today, but he's no less accessible and approachable to us here on earth. And asking him to come and asking us to come to him, his heart's desire is to pour out forgiveness. His heart's desire is to pour out mercy and grace upon us. But things hold us back. There's things that we just think, I just think I've disappointed him a little too much. I think I've just messed up too many times. I love this quote by Dane Ortland. It says, he does not get flustered or frustrated when, he come, when we come to him for fresh forgiveness or renewed pardon with distress and need and emptiness. How many of us have been that way? But that's the whole point. It's what he came to heal. He's saying, come to me and come to me again and again and again. This is my heart towards you. I wanna look at our main scripture again in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Jesus says, come to me. He doesn't want you to hold back. He doesn't want us to think we just aren't good enough yet in order to go to him. His very heart is that we would come to him. That's all he's asking. You don't have to get all pretty to do it. You don't have to have everything figured out to do it. Just come to him. All who labor are in a heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. He's asking us to learn from him. That's why we're doing this series, The Way of Jesus. He is our perfect example. We can learn from him. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. I'm not here to be harsh. I'm not here to judge and go. He judges us, I guess, but you know what I'm saying? He's not here in that moment. He's saying, I'm here with open arms and take on the way of living with me. Take on the way of what it is to walk with me because I'm telling you, I'm giving you rest for your souls. My heart towards you is good. And he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
And when he says my yoke is easy, another word here that could be used is the word kind. And when I, when I read that about the word kind being kind of interchanged for easy coming to Jesus, I think of Romans 2, 2, 4 that says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. So many times we take that on where we then think if God's being harsh with us, well, God, that person doesn't know you. They need to be convicted of their sin and know. But Jesus is saying it's his kindness. It's the love of God that leads us to repentance. When we really have an understanding of the love of God, that's easy to say, I can repent of my sin. I know I've done wrong, but I can come to him because it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. In Hebrews 7.25, it says, consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost. That word uttermost, just so you know, is completely or at all times. He does it at all times for us again and again and again. Those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. His very heart, because he was here on earth, he knows what we struggle with. He knows our humanity. He knows how weak we are. So what is he doing before the, God, before the throne? He's making intercession on our behalf because he knows what we've gone through. There's a, another quote by Dane Ortland that says, fallen anxious sinners are limitless in their capacity to perceive reasons for Jesus to cast them out. We are factories of fresh resistances to Christ's love. Think about that. We're always coming up with reasons why Christ wouldn't love us enough. Even when we run out of tangible reasons to be cast out, such as specific sins or failures, we tend to return to a vague sense that given enough time, Jesus will finally grow tired of us and hold us at arm's length. But that is not Jesus' heart. We've gone over these scriptures. His heart is gentle and accessible and approachable. He's saying, I'm never gonna stop. I'm never gonna stop taking you in, asking you to come to me. In John 6, 37, it says, all that the father gives me will come to me, Jesus says. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Never means never. Like, I don't know how we keep getting it in our minds. We do this all the time. Think of reasons why I'm not good enough or he's not gonna accept me. But Jesus is saying, I'm never gonna cast you out. You know, I, I think there are some here today, and I know I've had to go through this at times in my life, that really need to hear Jesus' heart towards you. Maybe you've seen him as someone that is distant or someone that just you can never quite come to. You can even come to church. You could have known him for years and years, but you kind of keep your distance because you think he's just not gonna take me in, that I'm not gonna be accepted. But I think we've learned that his heart is saying, come to me, I'm gentle and lowly because you know what he's waiting to pour out is that forgiveness and that grace and love and healing and comfort. That's what we need so desperately. He's ready to show that. When Jesus says, come to me, we in turn then can be like him and point people to him so that others can then come to him as well. In Philippians 4, 5, it says, let your gentleness be evident to all. And as I was reading through this scripture and looking at these scriptures of gentleness and the gentleness of Jesus, I think about when it says be evident to all, sometimes it's really easy to be gentle, maybe to people here at church that I see or I'm talking to, or be gentle with a stranger that I might meet at a restaurant or a store or whoever it might be, people I work with. But you know who doesn't always get the most gentle gentleness of me? I would say this is, I was convicted on this, would be our families, the ones closest to us. 
I was really convicted as I was thinking about it of how I talk, maybe my tone sometimes, the way I talk to my husband or the way I talk to my kids. It really is something to think about is our gentleness. Am I using strength under control in those moments with my family? I think of as a parent, when my kids were younger and they weren't moving fast enough or things weren't, weren't you know, get, do this. And not, they weren't doing what I said. I get so impatient. And at times it was really easy to say things. And at times I did say things that were harsh or brought pain to them. In those times, I think have how kids, you know, take that on, right? They're hearing our harsh words and things that I'm in the moment and I'm just so worked up that I say something harsh, but really I need to have a gentleness in how I'm talking to them. Are we as parents, when you have kids that are young or maybe old and you're just frustrated because they're not doing what they should be doing, what is your heart towards them? Are you gonna use your strength and your power as a parent to cause harm or are you gonna be gentle and you're gonna bring and make yourself accessible to them? I think about when they have those things when my kids were teenagers and they really start going through some harder things, am I gonna be someone that they can be approachable to, that they could come to and talk to? I know parents where they're so harsh and so, so strict about everything that the kids are going through something, but they don't feel like they can talk to their parents. I love the idea of being a parent that shows has your strength. You have strength. You're a parent. You're going to parent and discipline when you need to. But you, there's a gentleness that comes that they can approach you and that you're not causing pain or harshness or things in their lives that they then carry on in the future with them. The way of Jesus, his very own heart, is one of being gentle and approachable. And this is the example that we then get to take in our posture towards the broken world around us, to our own families, to those we're at church with, to those, our neighbors that are around us. As we're, are we putting ourselves in those places where we see suffering or are we just doing everything we can to avoid it? Are we, are we putting ourselves where we can actually meet people, maybe our neighbors around us, maybe it's someone that you work with, and making yourself accessible to them when they go through those hard times, when they're dealing with stuff. Can they come to us? Are we, those, are we those people like June where we're someone that they're like, if I need prayer, I'm gonna go ask Jenny for that. I'm gonna go up to her and say that. I have to think about that. Am I that kind of person? Do I make myself accessible to people that way? So when we think of his heart today, I just think there are two groups here. And one of that would be just those of us that really need to hear his heart towards you and his posture towards you is not one of harshness or wanting to cause you pain or just waiting for you to mess up or, oh, I've messed up again, I can't go to him. But his heart is open arms, open arms. That is Jesus' heart towards us. He is so there and his very heart then is just wanting to pour out all that he gives us. So many different things. It's different things for different people at different times, but I love that about him. And maybe you need to hear that and know that. So I hope that's something that you can process through and begin to think about his heart towards you. And for the rest of us too, and for me as well, it's his, is his example of being gentle and lowly. How am I being to the world around me? How am I being to my very own family? Am I gentle in my words or am I harsh? Am I causing pain? Is it strength under control? Is that how I'm acting with other people? So I just want to take some time and just pray. Could you close your eyes, please? We're going to just ask God, Jesus, today I just thank you so much for your love that is so great for us, God, and that there are some here today, Lord, that need to fully grasp your love for them. 
So many people, even late in life, have lived so much life and never fully grasped your love for them. Lord, today, those that are here, Jesus, I'm asking that they would see your heart towards them. They would see the posture that you take towards them and they would run to you. They would come to you, Jesus, where you're asking them to come. You're asking us to come, God. I pray there would be nothing to hold them back. No more resistance to your love for them, God but they would see that you are ready to forgive. You are ready to shower love and mercy and grace upon them. Lord, I just thank you for who you are. It's overwhelming at times, God, your goodness to us and your love for us. It's right there. And you are just saying, come to me. And Lord, I'm asking for those of us, Lord, that need more of you. We want to be more of you, Jesus. We wanna be your hands and feet to the world around us. We wanna be your hands and feet to our own families and our coworkers. Lord, I ask that you give us a heart that is gentle and lowly to those around us, that you make us approachable, the people that someone that's hurting and just is looking for a Christ follower around them to say, was there someone that would help me? Is there someone that would pray for me that would give me advice? Lord, let us be those people approachable and accessible to you. We thank you so much for who you are. We never take for granted, God, your love for us and your grace that is there every day. God, you don't leave us for even one day. And I just thank you so much. Let us be like you. We wanna learn from the way of Jesus and walk that out in our daily lives. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.